You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are coming to you from the heart of the Queen City, BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte here in the Gittimer.com studios. We are brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the panel here from the mean streets of Cotswold, David Walker. They're super mean. Super mean this morning. And uh, right here in Charlotte, in the studio, Steve Bob Forrest from AtTheHive.com. Steve, what's going on? Hey, in studio, first time. Yeah, now if you're watching on YouTube, obviously you can't see. He's not next to me. He's actually behind the glass. That's right. Uh, helping to produce the show this morning, Steve. Uh, that's charitable, I'd say. Well, you're, you're you're there. You exist. You're you're in the chair at least. Behind the glass, the voice of God. That's right, the voice of God. All right, hey. Speaking of God, no, no, just kidding. Um, if you don't have a podcast app, may I suggest... New this morning. May I, Call may I, in with your prayers. May I suggest using Overcast, and if you do use the Overcast app to get your podcast, give us a star. If you use iTunes, give us a five-star review. And if you use Stitcher, uh, I'm sure there's some review capacity on there as well. Uh, just help us out. It helps hardcore Hornets fans just like yourself find this podcast all right we've got a big show we've got a marvin williams player preview coming up in just a moment plus we're going to talk about this lee jenkins profile of dwight howard for sports illustrated and then finally we have a couple of listener comments that i have to get to some fascinating stuff from the listeners we will uh, get to that near the end of the show but first Marvin Williams, the subject of our latest player preview. Marvin is heading into his 13th NBA season at the ripe old age of 31. That's one year older Mm. than I am, David, and I don't even allow myself to play pickup anymore. Mm, That's a a good thing. Fingers (laughs) fingers falling out here. That's right. I'm trying to to save my hand. Uh, After having one of the best seasons of his career two seasons ago, Marvin was looking at a free agent deal worth as much as $15 million per year in a market uh, that was saturated with teams who were looking to spend for more shooting. Instead, though, he opts to return to the Hornets on a four-year $54.5 million deal last season. Uh, The Hornets valued Marvin's outside shooting, rebounding, defensive intelligence, and his locker room presence. Unfortunately, the outside shooting and offense in in general noticeably regressed in the first month of last season. David, uh, what what happened in that first month to Marvin Williams? Didn't shoot the ball well at all, Doug, as you mentioned, and that was a big reason for bringing him back. But, uh, you know, it, it was a little reminiscent of the year before. I mean, I don't think he started off that great and then kind of rounded into form as the year went on. But last year was a bit more up and down, um, just could not find the consistency, uh, kind of a theme for that team last year. Um, and, and again, I mean, we talk about Marvin all the time and how valuable he is to this team and all the things they ask him to do, uh, rebounding, playing the post. I mean, he guards everybody from like LeBron to some of the bigger centers. You know, sometimes you'd be switched on to them. So they do ask a lot of him. And last year with the lack of depth, I just feel like, you know, maybe he got a, a bit worn down 
But, you know, the, the other thought is, hey, maybe that year before was, was an anomaly of sorts in a contract year. Steve, what was your overall take of Marvin Williams in the season that he had last year for the Charlotte Hornets? Yeah, it started off a little bit slow there, but uh, consistently surprising, I'd say, for me. Uh, it was a good presence, obviously, in the locker room. That that was a big revelation. We need uh, some veteran leadership to, for this team. We haven't had that a lot over the years, and I think that's going to be really important this year with, with all the new guys coming in, especially the rookies. And, uh, you know, Dwight, you just never know what, what kind of presence he's going to be in the locker room. So it does seem to be that last year – that kind of that, that was a narrative that seemed to solidify uh, even around the league. I heard that a lot from other NBA types that Marvin Williams is just that guy. If you have somebody like that in your locker room, uh, like that, that's the, all the best teams have have one of those guys. So it's uh, that's a great thing to have, and I think he's going to have a great year um, based on you know getting the getting the floor spread a little bit more and a little bit less attention on uh, on Kemba with Dwight in there and stuff. Yeah, that's a great point, Steve. The The decision to bring back Marvin Williams uh, along with Nick Batum was certainly about the, the on-the-court presence, but with Marvin specifically, a, a lot of it, I think, had to do with, with how he helped uh, this team gel on the court and off. Uh, but I was worried when the signing happened about a regression, um, and I said that I, at the time, I said I hoped that they could reduce his role if they did bring him back but in November of last year, that really didn't happen. His usage was at 19.4. That was the highest of the season, but his true shooting percentage sat at 45, his lowest of the season. David, I thought for a second that I was a wizard, a fortune teller, some kind of sorcerer that I could tell the future. Uh, but it turns out it was just an early case of the offensive yips for Marvin Williams because after November, he seemed to figure a lot of things out and had a great, along with a few other Hornets, had a great second half of the year, unfortunately, um, you know, depth uh, did not allow the Hornets to stay in the playoff conversation as long as they may have wanted to long enough for some of these players like Marvin Williams uh, to find a groove. Um, but as you said, uh, you know, according to Synergy Stats, Marvin finished the year as one of the most uh, versatile Hornets offensive weapons of the year. He ended the season averaging 1.02 points per possession, good for 76 percentile, finishing above one point per possession in four of his five top offensive categories. That includes pick and roll, roll man, transition, cutting, offensive rebound, putbacks. And he would have gone five for five, but he was just a tick under one in spot-up possessions at .97. And that's probably due to those early shooting woes in November. Dave, how important is Marvin Williams? We know how important he is defensively. He's been called, you know, sort of one of the defensive quarterbacks along with uh, MKG in terms of his ability to organize the defense. But how important is he offensively to this team? Well, he was huge. The, you know, the prior year, the, the year they kind of transformed their team into a three-point um, shooting, uh, you know, group. And last year, they needed him to pick up some of that slack. I mean, it's interesting. We talk about these stats and the efficiencies a lot, like we do for Nick Batum. And Marvin's overall numbers were about the same. I mean, eleven and a half points a year before, almost eleven and a half last year. You know, six and a half rebounds, um, and 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 right on the same about a, an assist and a half a game. So, like, the production was there. It just wasn't there. Um, as efficiently as it was the prior year. So offensively, I think he's, you know, he's, he's clearly been going to hopefully benefit from some of the, uh, the kickouts, you know, hopefully I think, you know, they've talked about the white 
being a guy that can, you know, hopefully create some of those open looks on the wing. And Marvin will certainly be a beneficiary of those. I mean, to me, I think the three-pointer is going to have to come back to him. And, and like you guys noted, I mean, it did round back into form at, at points in the year last year. It just wasn't soon enough or consistent enough to help the team get over the hump. So from an offensive standpoint, I, I still think they're going to need to him to, to make some threes. And then he just fills in everywhere else, you know. Uh, we looked at ever since Frank Kaminsky was drafted here, people have been kind of eyeballing him to take over that Marvin Williams slot. And for, for that to happen, uh, you know, Frank's going to have to basically shoot like Larry Bird from three or something because he's not going to give you the other things that Marvin does, especially on defense. You mentioned how important they see Marvin as kind of a captain of that defensive unit. And until they've got somebody in there that can, you know, fill in the gaps the way Marvin does, um, or his play drops off, you know, you mentioned his age. I, I just don't see that going anywhere, you know? No, you perfectly transitioned into my next question, which is can Frank Kaminsky next season, or, or will Marvin Williams cede some minutes to Frank Kaminsky next season? Steve, what do you think? Uh, it seems David uh, seems to think that, no, that's that really can't happen next season. Uh, well, I mean, I hope so, because – it's this is a big year for Frank. Too. Oh, you hope you hope that Marvin cedes some minutes to Frank. Yes, I hope David is wrong about just stuff in general. That's so, fine. No, right? <laughs> no, no. I, uh, I, 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 I hope that it's. I hope this is the case for a lot of these guys. To be honest, that we're just getting some push uh, and some fight for these for these starting minutes and stuff. I mean, I, I wrote a piece on. I wrote several things on Frank last year. He's a great guy to write about. Shameless plug. <laughs> But uh, yeah, check me out. Uh, just I'm on the internet. Um, but yeah, Frank plays better when he's in the starting five. That's all of our best uh, lineups offensively last year featured him. Surprisingly enough, and uh, even even if you get all the way down to the the most efficient two man offensive lineup was Frank and Cody. Now there wasn't a lot of that, um, but. <clears throat> I'm I'm hoping that this is a big year from Frank. Frank is a is a confidence guy, and uh, you know maybe maybe he's going to be able to slide uh, in with that second unit and just and start up playing on fire when he comes off the bench. But he, his whole career, I, I I likened him to Kemba a lot in the sense that he's always been the big man on campus. You know, he's been the leader of his team and an offensive force. Um, and I just don't see him really seeming to develop into that helper role. Uh, so I, I would like to see that, as you guys already mentioned. Marvin's getting up there in age. Hopefully he's not throwing down any of those posterizing jams. Marvin! Oh, my! This year, I want him to save those those legs for a few more years if he can but yeah I mean he threw some of the most vicious dunks of the season last year Marvin did and sometimes you were wondering like how he was going to come down from those and how his knees were going to be when he did uh so yeah take care of yourself Marvin on those dunks um I think both of you make very good points I I'm of the opinion that I don't think it's going to be this year that Marvin starts to cede minutes. I think he's too valuable. His offensive versatility matched with his ability to be a two-way player and get back on the defensive end and affect the game in a variety of ways will will cement his role in the starting unit for this season. But I also agree with Steve's point that 
Hornets fans better hope that Frank Kaminsky at least puts up an argument. And and to your point, yeah. David, that argument is going to probably begin and end with his three-point shooting. And Marvin was not the most consistent three-point shooter last season. Uh, as I said, he did start to get it back together. But in February, that month that... Uh, Frank Kaminsky played so well at the center position as a starter and was shooting the three ball very well. Marvin shot 29.6% from beyond the arc in that month and then 29% in uh, a few games in April. So it was up, down, up, down for Marvin Williams beyond the arc. So I think that that sort of thing begins and ends for Frank Kaminsky at the three-point line. Um, Let's talk about – let's end this by talking about his – kind of legacy, maybe legacy with the Hornets, but legacy overall as Marvin, you know, starts to enter the sort of twilight of his career. Listen to Marvin, uh, his similarity scores through 12 seasons, according to basketball reference. He's along with guys like Joe Smith, Robert Ori, Amir Johnson, Jawan Howard, Meta World Peace, and Karan Butler. So David, what do you think Marvin Williams' legacy will be when all is said and done? Well, I hope for his sake, he's kind of moved past the, um, you know, the label of a bust. I mean, let's be honest. I think a lot of people called him a bust because, A, he was drafted so high, number two overall pick, I think, and and taken ahead of um, a guy who plays point guard in the NBA named Chris Paul, who's, who's gone on to have, a, you know, a, a, a successful career, some would say. So, yeah. Cliff, Cliff Paul's <laughs> yeah, brother. Yeah. <laughs> dynamite note there um so i think you know i think for a long time um he was kind of working out of that shadow a bit and i mean he's had a solid career i mean longevity and being able to play this long that is a skill um but obviously he's not had the highs that chris paul has not been the dynamic superstar that he has and so i think the longevity is going to be the big thing uh the locker room presence that you guys mentioned being a, a good leader in, on on the court and in the locker room, I think is going to be his his long lasting legacy. And I'm sure he would like to, you know, lead this team to a, a deep playoff run. And that could be kind of the uh, kind of the the end title to his legacy. I think. Just to jump back real quick on what you guys are saying, I, I agree that Frank. It would probably be good if Frank gave him a push and even were, was able to overtake him. Again, I just think that they ask so much of these starters, right? Like Clifford, there's a reason, Doug, you've mentioned all the time, he likes to play those defensive lineups or start with defense, especially to start the game. That's why Howard's starting. That's why MKG's still starting. That unit right there, you don't see a lot of drop-off in in defensive ability. And for Frank to overtake Marvin, he's going to have to either be lights out on offense or somehow develop uh, in other ways of his game. And and, uh, I just don't know that that's going to happen this year. but. But yeah. All right, let's move on to one of the other starters, Dwight Howard, who is on who will be on the cover of tomorrow's Sports Illustrated. He is the subject of the latest amazing, brilliant Lee Jenkins profile. The article is titled What Happened to Superman? How Dwight Howard Lost His Way and Is Trying to Get Back. Uh David, you read the article. What do you think? Well, so do you, would you guys be excited or nervous or both if, if you know Lee, Lee Jenkins' profile was coming out on you? <laughs> I think he's been generally fair, 
to most players. Yeah. So I would be I would be interested. I, I wouldn't be I guess I would be a little nervous because anytime someone sort of digs through your life in that intense way, you're going to be you're going to be nervous. Yeah, I told yeah, Doug this yesterday, but the word deep dive is the first thing that came to mind. It's like it usually <laughs> means there's it's in depth and there's there's got to be at least one nugget in there that you yeah. don't want. Well, so. and Lee Jenkins yeah. is sort of is, is sort of interpreting your life. Yes. For you, in a sense, and 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 weaving a narrative that you may not necessarily agree with. He's, so, he's but I like think he's a, generally been fair, right. David. Like an NBA Ken Burns, maybe. Yeah, you know, a lot of slow he's definitely yeah. on your life. Yeah, <laughs> it, it definitely feels it definitely feels like he wants to take a reader on the journey with you, right? So, like mm-hmm. he wants to start out and definitely mention everything, do the deep dive, like Steve mentioned. But it always does feel like he tries to at least end on a positive note or on an upswing or, you know, on, hey, could it be? We don't know. Let's see. Like, you know, so, um, yeah, it's interesting. Certainly, this is the first Hornet, though, I believe, that we've done, that we've had a cover piece on, you know, uh, a Legion That's cover big. piece, right? That's big. Yeah, that I'm not sure. Big. I'm not sure it was eye opening for me necessarily. It provided some added context, maybe some layers to themes yeah. that are to this point well documented with Dwight Howard. Uh, themes like the fact that I don't feel like he's really ever felt fully accepted by his teammates, especially fellow superstars like Kobe Bryant, uh, James Harden. Um, I, I found the yeah. parts about his struggles with his faith. And it's conflicts with the NBA lifestyle, very eye-opening. That's like the one thing that I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Uh, Dwight was a person, it it seemed like he was sort of caught between two identities and in the end ended up Mm -hmm. without an identity on or off the court, David. And isn't that amazing when you think about these guys, because Dwight Howard came out at 18, and that's one of the biggest things that I think you can say what you want about, like the college experience. It's not for everyone. Not everyone has to do it. But I do think there is some benefit Wherever you get that, because I, I think LeBron kind of, if you want to say, get the, the college experience on his first go around in Cleveland, like mm-hmm. you need a period in your life, I think, to to have some bridge between high school and, you know, the professional life, or at least at least I did. I mean, I think a lot of people do. Um, so I think and, and it's easy to slip up or, or struggle to find your identity almost in between those two spots. And it's amazing to me when I read a guy who projected so much confidence and was such a big personality and had so many like, you know, sides to his character early on in his career. And then in LA was like, just completely lost confidence, you know, was, was calling and texting friends during the game to ask them what they thought about how he played was trying to kind of take on the persona of, of a Will Chamberlain in LA by putting on the headband and the knee pads and, and just kind of completely lost his way. It's amazing to me to see guys that have had such great success on such high levels they can even succumb to, you know, doubt. And uh, yeah, I think and so it's, it sounds like the classic tale of trying to please everyone and you end up pleasing no one, but, but it was enlightening mm-hmm. for me because it's the first glimpse at something that Dwight seems to take more personal responsibility for than, than really seeking to blame others. Now he doesn't take, yeah. he doesn't take full responsibility, mind you, but he does sort of fully accept his role in losing his way uh, off the court. Uh, I I also love that Jenkins frames Howard's story to date, beginning and ending with Michael Jordan. He referenced 
Michael Jordan's meeting with <laughs> Dwight Howard after Dwight's last high school game, and then flash forwarding to the present 13 years later, and Jordan calls a despondent Dwight fresh off that disappointing, disheartening loss in the playoffs. And Jordan basically asks, you know, why are you mad, bro? Here's the quote. Mm-hmm. When you're pissed, you're out of control and you're not focusing on your shots or your free throws or the right type of defense. Jordan went on, why play pissed when you can play determined? The GOAT calling Dwight Howard and and basically, according to Dwight, sort of getting through to him. I wasn't sure if you just, <laughs> it sounded like he ended the quote with the GOAT. Oh no! Like, sorry, yeah, I sorry. Like, I should have said. I should have said. The unquote. goat out. The goat out. No. Yeah. This is the goat. Uh, and then he and then he and then he said the words "mic drop," <laughs> and then tried to get out of a locked room. Uh, no, that's great. I mean, it's interesting. So he called him. I, I haven't read the piece yet. He called Dwight before he joined the team. Yes. Yeah. I think during the transition, during the trade right? talks. Like, yes, but before he ever yeah. got to Charlotte. Yes. Right. That's interesting. I mean, I, I'm always, I always like that aspect of it when Jordan is involved and with the player, which wasn't always the case. Yeah, uh, that's not a feeling that's shared by everyone. Yeah, let's get Kwame. Yeah. We got Kwame yeah. Brown on the line here. Um, no, but I, I think it's good just for as a Hornets fan. I understand the the difficulties uh, of being a player in that sense. But you know, Dwight is uh, like he's a veteran now, and and that is a lot of those things are eye opening in the sense that it makes a lot of sense that he's he's been trying to figure out who he is this whole time. That that answers a lot of those questions of why he's so goofy and why things seem to not work out um, in in each place, and and it kind of fills me with a sense that he's at least aware of that now and that, you know, maybe he can put that behind him and kind of focus on the basketball side of things a little bit more with the confidence of knowing. Sometimes it's just knowing that you don't know, that you don't have to be oh my God. somebody like this. You guys know what I'm saying? That's so deep, dude. Do you guys know? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> uh, I want to yeah, circle I mean, back to that no, call, I, David. I, I what thought... do you think about the, the call from Michael Jordan to Dwight Howard? I'm like Steve. I love to see stuff like that. I'm I'm glad that little piece was in there. I was hoping that maybe that could be an area he could help Dwight with, as as he mentioned with the Kwame Brown drop. Not always a, a an area that MJ has been the best at. You know, um, kind of ushering young players or helping players along. But Dwight is, is a vet now, and I think from a mental standpoint, um, he maybe can give him some words of wisdom. Uh, maybe can help him along. Just just if he they just stick to. <laughs> not playing pissed and being focused um, and kind of understanding his role here. Because the other thing I took out of that, Doug, out of this piece was that he is pretty motivated um, to kind of get back to some semblance of being an effective you know, player and, and a kind of a team-focused player. Um, he's done the training. He's tried to get back into shape. And at the same time, he's tried to mend some of those fences, I think, on the personal side because he had a lot of people close to him, his family, his parents that um, he wasn't communicating with uh, along the way here. And they had uh, breakdowns in communications. And so I think um, that can only help, you know, that healing on that side should be able to help him on the court. He talked a lot about that. You know, what you do off the court is going to affect how you play on it. So him kind of getting some, some peace, if you will, and on the personal side, I think can be a good thing for him on the basketball court. And like I said, he sounds pretty motivated to, to get back to a level of effectiveness. 
You mentioned uh, mending fences. Uh, prepare for segue in three, two, and one. Speaking <laughs> of fences, uh, the article has two whole paragraphs on Dwight's farm, which I think would also include fences. Uh, there are no beats. Yeah. This is not this is not the the Dwight's farm you're thinking of. No beats. Uh, but <laughs> no uh, but seriously, I thought this was. Or I thought the, I thought <laughs> false. I I seriously and thought it was going to turn into. <laughs> I thought it was going to turn into the Darko Milicic profile all of a sudden. Did you guys see that profile? I did, oh. yeah. Yeah, where he's like a, a big farmer now. It is good to see that Dwight farming has traded hot. in candy for organic farming. Yes, that is yeah. shocking. Um, yeah, that, if you start to read that as the last paragraph, you're like, oh, so he, so that's how the sense he just quit. He just quit the NBA. Well, that's one of the things he considered retiring after that uh, uh, difficult 2014-15 season uh, in Houston. Uh, so Hornets fans, glad yeah. he did not make that decision. Uh, one part, David, that makes me a little nervous is the story about the meeting between James Harden and Dwight Howard in Houston during that difficult year. James Harden asked Dwight Howard uh, for, quote, stronger screens and tougher rim protection, unquote. The reason it makes me nervous is those are precisely the things that Charlotte will ask of Dwight Howard. Uh, last year, Cody Zeller was third in the league in screen assist at 5.9. Dwight was ninth at 3.8, so he's, he was still a top 10 guy in screen assists in Atlanta. Unfortunately, they just started measuring this, so I have no idea you know, what those numbers are relative to when he was in Houston. Um, but right now we know that Dwight Howard is a top 10 screen assist guy. Uh, Zeller also averaged one more contested two-point shot per game than Howard. So, they, you know, despite uh, there being this idea that Dwight Howard is a force inside, I think there still is a, a level, and I think Dwight would would be okay admitting that there is a level to his defensive game that he has to get back to. He said he wants to get back to the sort of dominance uh, that he had in his early Orlando days, and and the Hornets are certainly mm-hmm. hoping that he can do that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I would say that just from a personal side of things, you said that you stopped playing pickup recently, right? D- Doug Reese. Yeah. Recently, like, like three years ago. <laughs> so so I, I'm still out there. <laughs> My knees are terrible. You know, I'm still out there battling it out. Good you for know. you. I do not play defense. I have stopped playing defense. Sure. I would say that was the thing that, yeah, that went away the most your career that went away the most. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, I think that jokes aside is the hardest thing to like, just like, I'm just going to start playing really great defense again, especially for a guy that's, that's not, uh, there physically where, where he used to be. I mean, that was such a big part of his game was just the natural uh, physical dominance and explosiveness that he had. So, I mean, I, I'm a little bit uh, skeptical of, the, of that being the case, but I do think that he will see some sort of resurgence just by nature of being back with Cliff. We've seen guys get become better defenders than maybe they, they naturally are Um, with Clifford. You know, we've been able to escape with, with Kemba um, on defense for and how, yeah, exactly. So, and, and I do, I could see part of that, you know, playing into Dwight. (laughs) How dare you, sir? (laughs) Uh, No, but I, I, I could see some of that being like him getting invigorated by just, by by feeling like he's playing better defense, yeah, you know, so that, I think that's a good sign too. 
Yeah, I, I'm hopeful that it doesn't come down to how much care uh, and the quality of care like the medical staff can give to him. But you mentioned, I mean, he's getting up there in age. We talked about a little bit yesterday. He's been pretty durable overall, though. I mean, for most of his career, he's playing over 71 games a season. I think only two two years out of the 13, he hasn't done that. So he's been overall pretty good. But they also mentioned in this article, he tried to come back too soon, probably in L.A. when he made his uh, debut out sure. there. And that kind of set him back a little bit. Um, similar injury to MKG. Yep. Yep. So he was trying to prove a point there. I I do think he does sound like he's at least looks like he's in good shape. If you're doing, it's not. It's probably not kickboxing. It's probably some other fancy. Well, it sounds like it sounds like he's trying to sort of remake his body for the modern game. Get a little sleeker. Get a little faster. Not. We we might not see sort of the. The, the the beast body the the chiseled shoulders that that you were accustomed yeah. to seeing in uh, in uh, Orlando I, I think f- you're going to see a, a farmer str- Dwight you're <laughs> he's gonna have a weird tan he's gonna you know hard hard calluses on his hands hey, uh, yeah hey you know that you know the thing that, that I thought was a good sign for confidence farmer uh, at least Steve Steve he's got a he's got a 99 year plan which if that starts today <laughs> if that excuse starts me today, that's that's, that's a lot of comedy. I, I like that. He's confident. I, I barely have a plan for the rest of the week, so uh, I might have to t- read that yeah. piece. Dwight's going to be our life coaches. How about this part? Uh, Dwight <laughs> Howard apparently filled notebook paper with names from uh, Kobe Bryant to James Harden, Skip Bayless to Stephen A. Smith, and used the pages to wallpaper a room in his house. Certainly uh, cost effective. Oh boy! Um, but Howard kind of sounds like he went through a bit of an uh, Arya Stark type Arya of journey. Stark. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Are there uh, yeah. is there red string that for the, attached to each of these things? Yeah. Does it how does it go all the way to the top? I mean, <laughs> oh what kind gosh. of? Uh, can, Have you, I just watched Vice it's Principals. Got, uh, there's a great that uh, they just did their second season premiere, and there's a great scene of that whole like conspiracy theory of somebody <laughs> losing their minds, like, lose absolutely <laughs> losing surveillance, it. surveillance surveillance photos of, of Kobe coming out of the movie theater. Yeah. Um, the other thing I liked was that the other thing I liked, which I would absolutely do this if I had ever achieved this. He's got a framed photo of maybe the first, certainly one of the only uh, NBA three pointers he ever hit like in his, <laughs> in his house, um, which you, you could be concerned by that if you want. But again, I would definitely have, I would have multiple, I would have that in every room. It's, well, I think it shows that he has a sense of humor about himself, which, which uh, I don't think anyone has ever denied well, that, that he likes and, to. And if nothing else, I mean, I think the, the fact of the matter is that it shows uh, that he's hit a three pointer before. It's evidence. And so, exactly. <laughs> it's less decoration. You than cannot that, than, say that he has it. than material evidence. David, I would, I would definitely, I would see. That's what I would wallpaper the house with. Is yeah, just that one point. photo of me holding an NBA basketball <laughs> on a court. <laughs> uh, in the article, Jenkins writes that Howard refuses to acknowledge that this season marks his last chance for a revival. Now. I think most outside observers believe that it is. Uh, If this bridge burns, it will be very difficult to find another bridge. But I'm glad that he doesn't view it as a last chance, because if there's one thing that this profile makes clear to me, it's that manufactured pressure does not work for Dwight Howard. It works against him. If he's loose, if he's playing basketball for the sort of cliche kind of quote, love of the game, uh, then I think that's going to be great for the Hornets. 
Uh, but if he's out there because he wants A, then B, then C, that's no good. It's it sort of all summed up in the last lines of this article where Jenkins writes, he will not, pl- he will not pray for 20 and 14 for all-star votes and endorsement deals. He will pray for what he needs, confidence, Superman says, and peace. Great. Again, Jenkins, you, you slay us. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. And the last thing on that, Doug, I mean, you were at the, uh, the boys and girls club event, right. With, with Dwight Howard. And I mean, you're able to see kind of that, that energy, that, that young Dwight energy that he's bringing back and kind of putting out into the community already without having played a game. And I think that's a good sign too. I mean, obviously it's a great, it's a great, uh, gesture and it's, it's a, it's a meaningful one. Um, but I think him wanting to, you know, do that, be that guy again and have confidence and have fun. I mean, like you said, like he's not going to perform well if that, if that pressure's on him and if he's not enjoying himself, he can't have a good time. So I think that's a good sign. The article is What Happened to Superman? How Dwight Howard Lost His Way and Is Trying to Get Back. It's up on SI.com right now. The full issue on newsstands tomorrow. A quick second before we get to these listener comments. I want to tell you about something we've started here on Locked on Hornets. It's a way for you to get access to more Hornets content, support the show, and it's only a buck a month. It's called Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. Check out all of the benefits that you get as a hardcore Hornets fan, a member of our Patreon. You get exclusive interviews and access to content before anyone else. Double entries into our show giveaways, including free tickets to Hornets games. Check it out, patreon.com slash LOH, and help keep our hive alive. Okay, reader comments time. Coach Billy, favorite of the show, emails in that he's happy basketball season is back and he's also got his starting five ready to go. Kimball Walker, Malik Monk, Nick Batum, Marvin Williams, Dwight Howard. Billy. Interesting. Billy. Malik Monk. You ready? You ready to throw him out there? Steve, you look like you're ready to throw him out there. Uh Billy, great, great uh email. <laughs> great call. Just great, great philosophy in life, I'd say. No. <laughs> now, listen, who's going to guard DeMar DeRozan in this starting unit, Billy? Who will guard LeBron James in this starting unit? Who will guard Paul George in this starting unit? Let's take Washington, the Wizards, for example, a team that the Hornets will be vying for for seeding in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Do you want Kimball Walker, under probably under six feet, 6'1", generously, 6'3", Malik Monk, and then Nick Batum versus John Wall, Bradley Beal, and Otto Porter. I think he does. <laughs> I think he does. I don't I'm think, just, uh, it sounds th- like he does. Dog. David, I I'm not sure. Just does. David, I'm not sure Throw about that. Throw your analytics out the window. I well, Let's get his ankle right first. I would say that would be the only thing. Yeah. That, uh, but... No, this is the thing, man. Guys, people are excited about that's fine. Yeah, about okay. having I don't want to squash. I don't player. want to squash anyone's excitement this about Malik a, Monk, but I think there's a reality that, that is that we are the Hornets, and we've never had Malik Monk. Yes. Well, that you you need to start yeah. the game off uh, not being down twenty because you don't fact. have enough defense. You on need the floor. to start it off with a nerd. We need some buckets. <laughs> Get out of here, nerd. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm a nerd. That's fine. No, no, I'll no. I'm that. saying uh, I think just people are just really excited. To, we got a guy that's really exciting that can fill it up. And uh, I just want to say this: I'm an expert because slow. I tried this lineup on NBA 2K the other night, and it didn't work. I got scorched by 20. Had nothing to do with my <laughs> inability to play video game basketball. 
had everything to do uh-huh. with needing defense at the beginning of the game. Right, right, right. Someone asked me, I, I put on Twitter that I, I, a lot of things change about NBA 2K, but me losing in the most brutal way possible is not one of them. And they wanted a clarification on that. If I lost by 20 or if I'm losing close games, I'm losing close games. I always get beat by, the, I'm always up six on the computer uh, at the end of these games. Yeah. And, and I just, Judging. I can't hit a shot. I, I run out of gas. It sounds like it's mostly mental. The sun was in my eyes. Yeah. Oh, it's totally mental. Right, I totally right. put I put way too much pressure on myself playing 2K. I put more pressure on myself playing NBA 2K than I ever do uh, on this show, uh, you know, uh, interviewing people. Can I give life. you, a, can I give you yeah. some advice there Please. with your 2K? Please. I would say don't play pissed. <laughs> play determined, Doug. Yeah. Okay? That's just me. I came up with that. That's just from my years of knowledge. My personal philosophy. Yeah. yeah. All right. One more before we get out of here. Uh, J Dog, J Money, J Son loves the loves to hit the Jays. He's got an email for us, and he's concerned about Dwight Howard's free throws. He says, "I recall a few games we lost early last year during our hot start." Because of some un- well, he was concerned. I mean, it, it, it was a long email. I had to pick one Don't thing. Worry. All right, all right. Yeah, he's over thing. that now. Uh, so he says, "I recall a few games we lost early last year during our hot start because of some uncharacteristically bad free throw shooting. Although we did turn that stat around in December and January. Now, Jason's right. The Hornets did turn things around at the stripe and finished as the league's top free throw shooting team. Unfortunately." When they were at their worst, it cost them key games early in the season. Now, Dwight Howard's going to certainly not help that stat, but if he can get back to the near 60% free throw shooting that he shot in years one through seven, which were relatively drama-free in his life, let's just say that, then the Hornets should be okay. If it's sub if it's sub 50, that's going to be tough, I think. Yeah, uh, ag- uh, agreed. Yeah. What do you think, David? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think the free throw shooting for Dwight is going to be very bottom of my list on things to worry about. I'm just, I'm I'm not. Uh, Certainly. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to, just like with Bismack, you know, they were, they will. But I understand the concern for sure. Like they're going to, they're going to try and shield him from that that, uh, as much as possible. I will say, I like, like David just said, I I haven't even really thought about it. It's kind of a known thing with Dwight and it will, it will very quickly become like, oh yeah, we have Dwight Howard on our team. If that's, you know, the end of every game is him, because that's the thing that's going to make him very mad if he's not getting to play that, that happened last year with Atlanta. Like he was sitting on the bench in the fourth. And hey, man, if you can't hit your free throws, you know that's what we got to do. So, yeah, it could introduce that. It could introduce sort of that drama that Dwight Howard wants to be involved at the end of games, especially important games. That's a great point. Also, um, the Hornets have not been a team that's had a player eligible for sort of the hack a shack strategy in, in a few years. So they will have to adjust things uh, based on that for the first time in a few years. So you're going to see some interesting things there. But I think if he gets, again, if he can get it back to 60, near 60, he shot like 59%, basically years one through seven. If he gets there, then it becomes less of a crippling issue than it is at, at sub 50, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's a small difference, but I, I think, you know, over the course of a season, it, it, it makes itself up in a we'll, big way. We'll be. Uh... <laughs> It'll be pretty maddening if if he's not shooting that and he has spent all summer just working on his three ball. You know, instead right. we'll be like, hey man, maybe maybe the free just throws. Take a, 
take a couple steps back and just launch it from there, right? There you go. go. Uh, All right, that'll do it for us. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets and subscribe to us on Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Search Locked On Hornets. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We always love hearing from you. Coach Billy, j Dog. Love hearing from our listeners. Make sure you are, are emailing us or tweeting us. We're back again tomorrow with another player preview. For David and Steve, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's get to training camp already, for God's sake. And let's swarm Charlotte.